Welcome into Two for One Drafts, PFF's Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Austin Gale with my guy, Mike Renner. We're looking ahead to the weekend. A lot of our segments today are going to be what's on tap, looking at you know the games that are being played mm-hmm. on Friday, Saturday, some college prospect matchups to watch. I, I think that's the best week that we've oh, seen yes, to absolutely. date in terms of actual college prospect matchups. So that's why we're going to be spending good a lot of time on that. Yeah, a lot of good college football games this weekend, a lot of good prospect matchups. And also, we'll talk some rookie mas- matchups. But before we do that... We got a new big board coming out for PFF. Yes. Top 75 is going to be out with PFF's new 2020 NFL Draft Guide. It's going to have the top 75 players in the class right now, along with 200 profile write-ups, three-page profile write-ups. They'll be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that. But with the big board update, we're not going to go through all 175 players. You can actually see that on the ticker below. Um, But we will talk about biggest risers and fallers in this uh, big board update. So let's go ahead and start with the risers, get a little positive action going. First guy, guy I'm in love with, CeeDee Lamb of Oklahoma. Yeah, he just continues to get the job done, even with a different quarterback situation than he had last year. Uh, now going from Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts. Uh, you just see it, the contested catches, the body control. Uh, really sort of every time I watch him, I'm just like, damn, like there's not, you can't poke too many holes in this guy's game. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I'm really like, a, the only thing really holding him back is almost comparing him to someone like Jerry Judy, where, you know, Jerry Judy is just freakishly athletic on a different level in that regard. CeeDee Lamb is not necessarily, he's probably going to still run the four fours, but he's not going to run, you know, you know sub four four. But pretty much everything else about the receiver position, he does at a very high level. So at that point, I'm just kind of like, he's got to get up there. He has to yeah. be up in the top five. Of this. I think it's a great riser. Good size, six foot two, 191 pounds. I think you see that, you know, the athleticism, elite athleticism from him. And what we have been asking for, and we've said this on previous podcasts, a little bit more wide receiver wins because I do think <clears throat> he's faced a lot of off coverage and things yeah. like that. I think I'd like to see him do some more one on one matchups. Yeah. But again. I feel like all the talents there, everything's there. I think CeeDee Lamb moving up makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense. Next guy on this list, South Carolina defensive interior Javon Kinlaw, a guy that's flashed an elite pass rushing performance against Missouri. I think that's a game to watch for Kinlaw. We've said it in previous podcasts. He just dominates the line of scrimmage against Missouri. And right now he has a 90.5 pass rush grade, and that's what we want. If you're six yes. foot six, 310 pounds, you cannot just play the run. You have to be able to impact the pass, and I think that's what you see with Kinlaw. Yeah, I, I wanted to see him do it on a more full-time basis than we saw a season ago a lot of he was all up and down a lot last year the high-end flashes were great but I think consistently he's been at least above average pass rushing wise every single game this year and has the dominant outing against Missouri uh, with that 93.0 pass rushing grade in that game so that to me uh, with and then he has the pedigree of 6'6 300 pounds long arms very good get off one of the best in this class that's a tried and true path to success in the NFL a defensive tackle when you are that sort of, you know, that that big, that strong, that fast uh, is a good combination. Next riser, and it's crazy to even think about this guy rising because I feel like we were really high on him going into this year, but somehow he's already found a way to even mm-hmm. climb the board up. And he, we're coming off a big game. Ashton Davis of Cal, that uh, safety, six foot one, two hundred pounds, former high hurdler, has all the speed that you want to have great range at the next level, and he's coming off a great game against Oregon too. Yeah, and safety is a position where you just need to see a lot of games of a guy to get a good handle on what he is because there's so many nothing plays where they're just backpedaling into the middle of the field and no, you know, the ball goes to the screen and you never see him do basically anything. So you're only getting five to ten real action plays a game, so you just need to see more. We liked what we saw from him a season ago. Loved the you know athleticism. Wanted to see him make more plays, uh, not just as a deep safety, more plays around the line of scrimmage. I think we've seen that from him this year. And so he's adding more of a complete skill set, being more of a complete safety this year than we saw a season ago. And I think at that point, uh, you know, ticking those boxes that you need to see ticks. So now he's in the top 25 on our draft board here. Mm-hmm. Another guy rising up the draft board, Oregon's Diamador Lenoir. Mm-hmm. Lenoir, am I getting that right? I, I would say Lenoir, but I like it Lenoir. seems like it's definitely a French name, Diamador. Yes. You don't hear that one every day. Exactly. So, well, my uh, brother's actually named Diamador. Okay, well, <laughs> so you hear it every day, but I don't hear it every day. But no, yeah, Diamador Lenoir uh, has ve- very much impressed me over the first handful of weeks here. His game against Auburn week one was fantastic. Very physical at and around the line of scrimmage. 202 pounds, really good size at 5'11", 202 pounds. Doesn't necessarily have the length. I'm not sure he's going to be a press corner, but 
exceptional tackling corner at this point in his career, only eight missed tackles on over 100 attempts in his career. Uh, I I think he could be a nice sort of fit for teams that play a lot of the zone, teams that ask your corners to tackle. Uh, He is that sort of guy. He cracks the top uh, 60 on our board. He was in the mid-50s here, I think. And with Diamador as well, I mean, 5'11", 202 pounds, not not necessarily a big, long corner, but he has Mm. a ton of experience as a true junior at outside corner. He's played over 700. A lot of press there in Oregon, too. Uh, He played over 760 snaps at outside corner a year ago, and even as a true freshman, over 250 snaps at outside corner for Mm. Oregon. He's already well on pace to do another 800 snaps this year at outside corner. Having that experience, playing a ton of press, we talk about it with Ohio State, you want to see that from cornerbacks so you can start to project how they'll fare against one-on-one matchups in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can play press coverage at the college level, it's going to be easier to kind of translate that skill set to the NFL. Let's keep going forward here. A guy that made our beer belly segment on Tuesday's podcast. That's where we kind of highlight a fat guy. Samuel Cosme caught a touchdown um, this previous week, but it's more than just his receiving ability. Okay. I know he has an 89.0 receiving grade, but <laughs> this guy's a legitimate pass protector. He's great in the run game. An underclassman, but a guy, if he does you know, declare, a very who's rising up this board right now. And the other thing that I love about him is he's among the top uh, tackles in the country in terms of true pass sets in that Texas, Texas offense. Asking him to block one-on-one a lot, and he's still getting the job done. Uh, he moves into 29th on the draft board here, so a top 30 player. Really like this tackle class. We'll be talking about it a lot. I think if everyone does declare who does, I think we'll see at least four or five guys go in the first round. Of this tackle class, Cosme, I would imagine being one of them. He just has the athleticism to play. Still strength concerns are a bit of an issue. Had a few bad reps in that LSU game against uh, Clavon Chason. But, yeah, I, I think Samuel Cosme, if he just gets a little stronger, he's um, he's ready for the NFL right now, even as a redshirt sophomore. If you don't know Mike Renner, he's a big Miller Lights fan, big Natty Seltzer's fan. But what he likes more true pass sets. Yes. You get, if you got to tackle... I was going to say, there's not a lot I like more than that, but true pass sets, of So, course. to explain true pass sets a little bit further, talk to him yes. about that, you know, part of that off-the-tackle evaluation. Andre Dillard mentioned that. Yeah, so true pass sets is basically, is the thing we have that we, in our data, that's passes that are five or seven step drops, you know, deep drops, uh, passes that take longer than two seconds to throw, that aren't screens, aren't play action, uh, aren't RPOs where you actually have four or more guys rushing the passer. So basically where you're actually challenged, where you're actually going on and one, you have to take a pass set. It's not, the guy's not run reading. You are, you know, you are going that, that true one-on-one interaction that we believe matters a whole lot in terms of, uh, you know, projecting to the next mm-hmm. level. And it's something that a guy's run a lot more in the NFL. Once you get to the NFL, you're going to be running a ton more of those than basically any college program. There's, you know, college programs that are running play action over 50% of their snaps. RPOs, you know, 25% of their snaps. You don't do that in the NFL. You have to be able to execute, you know, vertical sets, angle sets. You have to be able to do that consistently. You can't get by on, you know, the offense scheming around you or getting help. Uh, and so I think seeing guys with experience in that actually matters. And Andre mm-hmm. Dillard was one who had a ton more than anyone else uh, coming out in last year's class and hit the ground kind of running this preseason in terms of his pass blocking ability. And, w- and with that being said, in PFF's kind of database, you're able to look, filter those plays down, see how they mm-hmm. perform from an analytics pr- or a data perspective, and also turn on the tape with that instantly looking at that yes, filter and watch, watch how they, you know, you can see technique, who they're going against, all those things. And I think you could say the same thing on the opposite side of the ball. You want to see edge defenders on those types of pass sets win more often than they you know more mm-hmm. often than they lose. You want to see high pass rush win rates when it's a five and seven step drop back, when it's not a screen or a play action pass. And I think that filtering for trench play, specifically in pass protection and pass rushing, is so valuable to watch and also analyze and kind of when you're like looking to project pass blocking and pass rushing to the next level. Um, thanks for that. And if we want, we can get Natty Seltzers after this, Miller Lights, <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, Florida edge defender, Draft. a guy that is rising. He's up to number fifty one on the board. John Jonathan Greenard, the guy transferred from West Virginia, right? No, Louisville. 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 Transferred from Louisville, goes to Close. Florida, blows out Miami in week one. He re- instantly thrown on the radar. I know mm-hmm. he was going against, I think, a bunch of true freshmen or whatever. Miami's yeah. offensive line is bad. bad. But he's kind of maintained that through. He has five or more pressures in all but two of his games so far. He's played at a very high... And one of those games, he only rushed past her 11 times because mm-hmm. they went against Tennessee Martin. This is a guy that even is, is impressing... At a level of what Jabari Zuniga was getting, that yeah. level of hype. He's playing really well, number 51 on our board, a riser. Yeah, a few things I love about Greener. I think he's a sure thing as a run defender, very disciplined, plays that first and then rushes the passer, has great hand usage, some of the best hand usage in the country. He keeps his body clean, whether it's versus the run or versus the pass. He is not going to let a tackle into his body. He is going to control that. 
Uh, I love his body control. The worry for me, the reason I'm still not you know fully on board, and he's, he's not even in the top in the, 50. He's not even in the top 50. He's 51 on the board and probably a late-ish second rounder, early third rounder for us is that he just has not been able to win the edge consistently. He's, he's struggled. You saw it this past week against Auburn against two tackles that you know will be drafted, Prince Seguinogo, Jack Driscoll. Uh, he just could not consistently win the edge against those guys, and he doesn't have the athleticism that Jabari Zuniga has. He's a middling athlete. I don't think he'll test well whatsoever at the combine. That's not a great combination in my mind. It's just a, I'm not sure the high-end play will translate. You know, The dominant games against Miami, the dominant games against Tennessee, I'm not sure it's going to translate against NFL tackles. Mm-hmm. Fair. Uh, let's go to the next riser here, up to number 60 on the board, USC wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr., a guy yes. that we've praised a ton on this podcast. He's a guy I liked going into this year. I wanted to see more wide receiver wins. I wanted to see more targets, really. Yeah. And he's getting a target a ton in USC's offense. You get a chance to see the body control, the physical route running. I think he's a little bit more shifty than other big receivers. This guy's over six foot four, 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is a guy that has the size, but is it, it isn't a detriment, you know, like an Isaiah Hodgins or some of these other bigger receivers that are slow out of their breaks and things. I think Michael Pittman rising, and I don't know if he's going to stop there, Mike. No, yeah, at number 60 on our board, and I've been very impressed in terms of uh, bigger wide receivers in this draft class. You have T. Higgins, you have Colin Johnson, who's been getting a lot of hype. I like Michael Pittman better than Colin Johnson at this Ooh. point from what I've seen from him. His hands are incredible. Three drops in his entire career at this point. You are you highlighted that, and then he had the drop. But three drops hey, hey, on 108 hey. <laughs> catchable in his entire career. His body control, his his ability in contested catches. I think I've said this before on the podcast is such that I think it actually can be a weapon at the next level when you are as big as he is, six foot four, 220 pounds, as physical as he's been. I do think he will be a weapon in that regard at the next level. Already four of seven on contested catches this season. So. Uh, and five broken tackles after the catch. He adds a little bit after the catch. It's a little more sudden mm-hmm. than your typical 220-pound wideout. And, and that's a word we chase when you're kind of looking at wide receivers and trying to evaluate the position. You want these guys to be sudden, Sundance. especially when they're smaller. Yeah. I mean, when they're small, you have to be sudden it's if a, you're going to make plays yeah. at the next level. If you're big, you don't have to be as sudden as a Jerry Judy or some of the other smaller guys, but you have to be more sudden than you know, a cement block out there and kind of just being big. Yeah, because a lot of it, I mean, when you're making cuts as a wide receiver, you can be as fast as you want in a straight line. If you're losing all that speed, once you make a cut, it doesn't matter. Like It, it is about separation is the name of the game. Getting, you know, for a bigger guy, you don't need as much, but you still need to, you know, be able to, when you're neck and neck with the cornerback, get a little bit away from him and get his hands off you. So Worst to live by, being big isn't enough. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that's something that's, that's tried to That's what my ex Let's go to the last riser here, number 74, Zach Bond uh, of Wisconsin, an edge defender right now. We've talked about how maybe he could go a Joe Schobert route, play off ball linebacker in the NFL, because we just don't see, with his yeah. size, he needs to be bigger. You know? know. <laughs> being small isn't enough. Yeah, he's but t- I ahead. do think... He he has the frame. I think he can, I think he can get up to around two fifty. I, okay. I think he can. This isn't a Sutton him. Smith, you know. No, he's not yeah. that small. He's not capped out. Where Sutton Smith looked jacked out dude, of his mind and at the combine, two twenty five was a rock, and like he could not he could barely turn his head get bigger than that. But Zach Bond has uh, he and he also is another guy who like I, I don't think he has. A, I'm pretty sure I watched all his pressures the other day. I don't think he has a single bull rush on tape uh, this entire season that he won with, which obviously concerning. We talk about that a lot. But he is extremely quick, has great hand usage, and is very flexible as well to where I could see him breaking that mold of we always talk about you need the bull rush, you need to throw with the bull rush, you need that. But there are some guys in the NFL who do not threaten with the bull rush. Yannick Ngakwe will not be bull rushing you back into the pocket. He is going to beat you inside or outside, but he's quick enough, agile enough, and has enough flexibility to make sure that you're not going to knock him off his spot when he's you know move, going to that inside mm-hmm. move or outside move. So uh, I think Bond can be that good. I need to obviously see more, but he has been dominating. Oh, and, yeah. And dominating some like not terrible tackles either. Michigan, Northwestern, six and seven pressures Kent respectively State. in those two games. Okay, yeah. Well, I was <laughs> no, no, trying you're to go a different route, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I'm glad you brought that up, though. He has the production to kind of back it up. Mm-hmm. Against Michigan and Northwestern, thir- no, yeah, uh, 12 combined pressures. No, 13 combined pressures and 88.0 pass rush grade against Michigan and an 84.1 run defense grade. And that's with as small as he is. Mm-hmm. And, and while you're kind of g- talking through that, I Googled Sutton Smith to kind of see where he's at, found this picture of him where he, he legitimately looks like a meatball. And, and it's hard. It, he played linebacker for the Steelers a little bit. They even tried him at fullback. Mm-hmm. The dude's a football player. He's gritty, 
He's right now a free agent, but I mean, <laughs> I think it, I, like I said, it's not a Sutton Smith situation where this no. guy's maxed out. The, the comp I had for him though is not going to be fantastic, mm. but I, but it's I think he's Jakai Polite if Jakai Polite wasn't if without mm. the off-field issues. Gotcha. I don't know if Which those were people off-field. love Jakai Polite yes. coming out, yes. and I thought I think they're very similar in the way they rush. Did you read passing. that article about Jakai Polite and how he had an addiction to Swedish fish? And I think it was from his junior year to his senior year. Or somewhere, Would a transition. Like and they're like, dude, if you Swedish drop the Swedish fish, fish, I swear. his balls. He was like, dude, if you drop the Swedish fish, we can help your diet. You're going to be in a better spot. And there was, there was a little Jamilian article about how dropping the Swedish fish kind of helped him be, you know, become a better football player. It was insane. I, I Legitimately, you need to look it up. And I think that's the type of, of thing you were dealing candy, with. Of all the Swedish fish aren't even trash. like. Yeah, I hate Swedish not fish. not even good. Gosh. Any chewy candy, though. I don't like how that's it gets a red, your That's teeth. a red flag. 100%. I mean, they're red Even Not even just getting addicted to it. Being liking Swedish fish. That's a red flag. Totally. Totally fair. And if I feel like I I knew that you know if i would have brought <laughs> yeah. it up in the interview as like the gm like dude uh what's your take on swedish fish and he's just like starts to like fiend a little bit and <laughs> do you have any like you just yeah the interview there's a bag of swedish fish on so the table up his, and like, you try sleeve. and see what he how he reacts say oh do you want some yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be insane anyway let's go to the fallers yes. here jakai polite was one and now we're going to dive into some big board fallers right now early in the process mm-hmm. and this guy's a faller but he's still top 10 on the board yeah aj epinesa of iowa he's a guy that Really out of the gate has not stumbled, but you were hoping to see Chase Young level of flashes. Yeah. At least early in the season when you're playing against Cupcakes, I wanted to see 90.0 passers grades. This guy just feasting on my timeline, just fi- fire moves of pass. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, so I, I think the biggest thing is just adjusting from he was in a part-time role last year. When he got on the field, he a lot of times he knew he was able to rush the passer. Uh, you know, he was fresh. That's a very different animal than, hey, go play 60 snaps a game for us and be as effective rushing the passer. And I just don't think he's held up in that role. He hasn't, you know, the same dominance we saw has not translated to a full-time role. And that's mm-hmm. always concerned because you're, you don't draft a guy to be a third down player. Yeah. Uh, like you can, you can do that in the second round, in the third round. You're not going to draft a guy top 10. I mean, exactly. He's obviously 10th on a board now to be uh, a third down pass rusher only. So uh, I do think Epinesa needs to we just need to see that dominance again mm-hmm. from him because Epinesa. right now yeah, I, ahead, I believe in the physical trade, 6'5", 280, has, still has some incredible rushes on tape, but I need to see it more. I need to know what candy he's addicted to as well. Mm-hmm. If he is, I need to find out now. Looking at his Michigan game, he had 31 pass rush snaps, four pressures, and a 65.8 pass rush grade. Our guy Zach Bond, 88.0 pass rush grade. On 31 snaps. Yeah. I mean, that you, you, and he had six total pressures. You want that kind of production yes. from a top 10 town. And he's a faller right now, still at 10 on the board. But again, we need to see something. Mm-hmm. I want to see it. Let's go to another follower here Justin Herbert, Oregon yes. quarterback. I mean, if he's not a follower on everyone's board, he's really stumbled out of the gate. He's that quicksand thing you mentioned where he's kind of like not yeah. able to kind of live up. In those mm-hmm. gamer moments where you need a gamer, you need a, a Shane Falco to come in and just like heart, miles and miles of heart. It, I don't see it. It's just so he's behind one of the best offensive lines in the country. He, he has a great situation there in terms of keeping away from pressure. He should be, you know, confidently able to throw the ball down the field consistently. And we just don't see it. Like the, the in terms of if he was an NFL quarterback right now, just the way he's playing, you wouldn't even be like that enthused if you're, uh, you know, like you would not even be moving the needle for you at that level. And it should be easier in college. He should be, you know, having more open throws. He's just been very meh. And I don't care how good your arm is if you're playing meh. At the quarterback position, I'm not going to draft you top five. You better do something that excites me. And there's been nothing on tape besides some throws against Nevada that are really exciting us at this point. And it's just, it's a handful of throws. It's not game performance that's mm-hmm. exciting you at this point, which is the scary thing because yeah. that matters. That we've talked about this before about how the personality, you know, the way you approach the game matters. The quarterback position, I question that with Herbert. We've mentioned the replacements uh, a couple times on this podcast. To that quote, when I was a high school football player, and that when the reporter goes up there and like, "Hey, what's it going to take for you know Washington to get back in this game?" And he's just like, "You got to have heart." And then she's like, "What?" And then he bangs the papers on his chest. He's like, "Miles and miles of heart." I was like, "Dude, I'm ready to run through a brick wall <laughs> right now." I will eat an offensive lineman's face to get to the Miles. quarterback right now. But uh, with, with Justin Herbert again, and you talk about with other prospect evaluation, with cornerbacks, safeties, you want to see the high end. You want to see him be able to get there. You see yeah. that with Justin Herbert. But with a quarterback, you touch the ball every play. It's yes. so, your, your game you performance. Full game. Exactly. Yeah. Game performance is, is, is so important with that because mm-hmm. it, it, a lot of the factors are within your control as the quarterback. You're yes. losing games. A lot of times it's on you. You miss a couple throws. Mm-hmm. You didn't make the play. And it's not even – he's not – he, he like when it push comes to shove, he's not 
taking that chance that could win you the game. Mm-hmm. He's kind of putting it in someone else's, passing the buck, and saying, hey, I'll check it down to you. Now you make this play to win us the game. He's not putting it in his hands when he should be. You know, you're the guy. You're, if you're mm-hmm. going to be the number one pick, you should Tim want Tebow it on your shoulders. Tim Tebow runs to the sideline. He's like, no one else yes. gets the ball right here. Exactly. I don't see Justin Herbert doing that. Yes. I see him like, dude, you should put the second stringer, and I heard mm-hmm. he's got a better arm. And, it, and with each passing game where we don't see that, he's going to slip down the board. Fair. Let's go to TCU wide receiver Jalen Reaver, a guy oh. we really liked going into this year. The highlights were insane. The high end was incredible. He, he was a superstar receiver this past year, all the production. We were projecting huge things from him. I think he was as high as top five on the preseason yes. big board. Low-key looked very good this past week. Though, okay. I okay. will say. So hey, talk, he mossed, talk to me lost a guy in the end zone. Uh, he had a couple nice contested catches, had a couple oh, nice he was, TDs this yeah, past that's right, week that's right. against Iowa State. Looked Because uh, that's what we had. That's what I wanted to see. Because what I thought why he was top five on our board going in was he had 14 contested catches last year. He was good in those situations. I thought, despite being 5'11", 195, uh, that he really got boned by his quarterback situation there at TCU. Like, that one was obvious. He was missed a ton. Mm-hmm. And I thought when they were, were off target passes, he was adjusting well to them. This year, throughout the starting out the gate, he wasn't adjusting, you know, making plays outside of his frame, had a handful of drops, wasn't making those contested catches. And I was like, dude, you let me down. Like that is what I thought you could do. That was all the things that I thought you could overcome at your size. And he wasn't doing those through the first four weeks. It got ugly. Didn't even have 150 yards through his first four games. This past week against Iowa State, thought he made a couple more of those plays when he did get those chances. So uh, I'm not all the way back on, but he has slipped down the board just because uh, mm-hmm. that's what you worry about with yeah. smaller ride receivers. Uh, that's why I thought set him apart. So we'll I think see he's on track to return at this point. He's on track to re- potentially return yeah. to college I mean, football because ugly, I mean, from a production throw. standpoint, dude's got 15 catches so far. Yeah, I mean, if you go if this continues he's not even going to finish with 500 yards That's the rest bad. of the season which would be yeah Guard. a lot of guys you're not getting drafted in the first round uh with fewer than 500 yards unless you got hurt speaking of guys that aren't going to finish with uh probably 500 yards this season jared pinkney tight end of vanderbilt has oh, absolutely struggled on tuesday he was a blackout performance i think he had what two drops mm-hmm. a handful of drops um he's not performed in weeks prior it's really been you know Mike Renner, you set him up to succeed. You're like, hey, I like this guy. I think he has all the tools. I think he's letting you down. You know, you didn't yeah. let this guy down. He's letting you down. You have to. I was just, this is a different take altogether. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Pinkney, we've talked about it. He's just been poop. Like, <laughs> the last two weeks. I eight, mean, when it comes eight, down to it, he's been He poop. has as many yards as targets the last two weeks. He has eight of both. Yeah. Which is not good. And two drops. But it also comes back to with Rieger and Pinkney. If you are a high score recruit at wide receiver, go to the place where that one passes a lot and two recruits good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Do not go to a TCU where yeah. you know it's not going to be a good quarterback situation. Do not go to a Vanderbilt where you, that's it's good. just that's, not going to be. That's a like, very fair point. Getting more opportunities and getting better opportunities will pump up your draft stock. Mm-hmm. Like If Jalen Rieger was playing in Alabama right now, we'd feel a lot more comfortable about you know his You're projections to the next level. Yeah, like there's 100%. just you get scouted better at schools like that. So mm-hmm. just word to when you're getting such a high percentage of your targets are off target. It, it's hard. You know, not I mean, no one's no scouts. You just get at least you, you hope it, or, like in it. You cannot help the bias of him not producing. Exactly. Like it's not production. Oh, yeah. fair. Totally fair. I think so. Before this, our podcast producer has royalty free fart noises, and I feel like with Jared Pinkney, we could co- start getting n- those mixed in every time his name kind of comes up. We can kind of drop one or two. Um, let's go we to could, we could do our own royalty free. <laughs> royalty free. Uh, KJ Hill, another follower mm-hmm. on this board, another receiver. Yeah, KJ Hill, just uh, another guy who the production has not been there for mm-hmm. him for the first handful of weeks. Uh, he's I, in a good situation, and he is in a good situation. He's just not getting necessarily not making the most of his targets uh, of his 27 catches. Only 13 have gone for first downs here so far. Uh, only five broken tackles, which at, with what he's doing in terms of a lot of slot targets, a lot of underneath, you'd like to see more than five broken tackles at this point on those 27 catches. So, yeah, I just not been great. Only one drop. I love his hands. I still love the way he attacks the ball, but I thought he was a more dynamic slot. I thought he'd be more of a focal point in that offense this year. Mm-hmm. But again, 275 yards through six games there for the Buckeyes. Yep. Let's go to our last fall here. I think this guy's the fall in the most uh, mm-hmm. from a total like free fall mm-hmm. standpoint. Paulson Adebo, the cornerback for Stanford, six foot one, 190 pounds. He's a guy that out of the gate against Northwestern, 86.0 coverage grade. He looked very good, made some great breaks on the ball. But then UCF burnt to a crisp on a mm-hmm. double move against Oregon, earned a 48.1 coverage grade. He's bounced back a little bit in recent weeks, yeah. but again, 
this guy is not living up to the expectation. You know, people went into this year, Paulson Adebo, mm-hmm. potentially a first-round cornerback, and now you're starting to fl- slide out of Yeah, it. already given up three touchdowns, only gave up one all last year. I didn't love – I don't love his feet. I didn't love his feet coming in this year mm-hmm. when I ranked him something like 30, 30th or whatever. I wasn't all in on him being, you know, a top 10 sort of player. I just don't think he's – can stick with receivers down the field, but I thought he had the sort of the skill set to run a press cover three. Like he has that skill set of a press cover three corner in terms of just if he's playing silo routes, he's great on those because his ball skills are great. His ball tracking is great. If he's in a wide receiver's hip pocket and he's targeted, he will break that pass up. Like he is not going to get beaten at the catch point. Mm -hmm. He has those, he has that level of ball skills. And I think that still has value, but only in a certain scheme. And if you're going to ask him to do stuff outside of that, which we've kind of seen this year, anything outside of that has been ugly. Mm -hmm. And that's the worrisome thing for me is that uh, you can't just play no one just plays press cover three anymore. Yet. Yeah, you have to be a little bit. You have to be a little bit more diverse than just that. And I worry about that with the Debo. He's dropped into yeah. the seventies mm-hmm. now. I talked to C.J. Henderson and Bryce Hall before the season started, and I, one of the first questions I bring up is, you know, scheme versatility. Talk about the differences between man and zone. You know how mm-hmm. important that is for you to kind of understand both and, and win in both. And both of them said, you know, like this. This is really important. You need to be able to win in cover three and cover two. You know, covering you know deep third and all that stuff, and also win in man coverage. And I think that's something that. Some cornerbacks, you question. You know, if, you, if they're too scheme dependent, can't really play multiple roles. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it drops their value significantly. That's going to do it for our risers and fallers for the big board. We're going to go ahead and dive into our segment, "What's on Tap," where we talk about top rookie performances and top press. No, not performances. Preview top Preview. matchups for the weekend, and we're going to start on Thursday. This podcast does get recorded on Thursday live on YouTube, so we're going to talk about little Danny Dimes action. I saw no, the, no, you, no nickname. Remember? I still like the Danny Dimes. <sighs> I saw in the. Uh, one of the New York papers, uh, Daniel versus Goliath tonight. Daniel Jones going against Tom Brady mm-hmm. and the first-ranked New England Patriots defense in practically any metric you can find. Um, this is going to be a very tough test. He doesn't have Saquon Barkley. He doesn't have Sterling Shepard. He doesn't have Evan Ingram. It's mm-hmm. going to be very difficult for this Giants team to move the ball. I think this is what I want to say. I don't think the Giants win. They're 17-point dogs. I could see it being worse. But... What is a good scenario, a realistic good scenario for Daniel Jones to come out of this? Because I think he's probably going to turn the ball over. He's going to take some sacks, you know. But like, what can you get out of this? This is kind of like uh, this is kind of like us talking about Jordan Love versus LSU. Like, don't don't get in that quicksand. Don't you know? Don't press and try to do too much. because it's not going to be whatever you do, like don't make those turnover worthy throws don't mm-hmm. make those bad decisions with the football because he's kind of been the guy we said coming out of duke he's just he's made a lot of bad decisions with the football down the football field mm-hmm. he's made a lot thrown into coverage a lot that he probably shouldn't be throwing into that was kind of his mo coming out of duke he's very quick with his decisions makes good decisions underneath with the football gets it where it needs to go but when he's throwing down the football field he just isn't necessarily the same player already eight turnover worthy plays on the season so don't make those mistakes with the football down the football field and i think you can chalk it up as a w if he does you know he goes out of the game even if it is ugly stat line perspective he doesn't have any turnover worthy plays you know is getting the ball Mm -hmm. underneath where it needs to go i think you can chalk it up as a win because we just need to see him stop you know putting the ball in harm's way 100 i think the coach has to set those expectations saying going into this game there's a chance we're going to go 10 down 10-0 at one point down 17-0 at one point but throughout this entire thing execute the offense yeah calculated risks not bad risks. exactly that's 100 where they need to be i think that's a good good uh comment there from mike renner my guy let's go to friday our what's on tap for friday um i know i'm having a couple drinks with friends but we're also gonna have justin herbert Versus Colorado, we need to see something from Justin Herbert. Yes, right. Justin Herbert is a faller on our board. If he goes against Colorado, Solomon Wilcott's alma mater, and just lays an egg, I'm not going to be happy, okay? I'm going to be actually be frustrated. I mean, Colorado, again, when you have guys like Burrow tearing up every middling defense he faces, guys mm-hmm. like Tua tearing up every middling defense he faces, and then Herbert putting up eh, performances against middling defenses, this is a defense where you need to just get out there and go for 350 Four tu- four touchdowns, maybe four or five, like five incompletions all day long. Like actually get that high level play and dominate. No reason that he shouldn't be able mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Like they, they, he's going to be protected well. He's not going. He's going to have a ton of time in that pocket. Just yeah, this is one where I need to see it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with Justin Herbert, I mean, he's always kind of going to be on this what's on tap, maybe not actually reference, but 
All these matchups moving forward are important for him because you've yet to see him dominate games mm-hmm. and, and be this first round signal caller that people are you know projecting him to be and expecting yeah. from him. I think you don't want to go into April's draft in love with Justin Herbert if or in love with his tools and mm-hmm. his his size and I'm sure he's a super nice guy, but you don't want to be in love with it. That's part of him without having seen high end production, game winning plays from him and, and, and consistent performances. He's about to get passed by Jake Fromm on our board too. Like he's oh. not like he's. That's how far he's falling down this board. There you go. All right, we, we brought up this guy as a riser on the board. He's also got a nice matchup against LaVisca Chenault, the Colorado receiver. Yes. Demador Lenoir, or Lenoir. I think this is you know, Diamador. That's right. That's like your brother's name. The same. I, I, I totally forgot. Diamador Lenoir versus LaVisca. I think I, I really like this man. I, I like Lenoir. I know he was highlighted as a prospect mm. riser, but it's a big one for LaVisca. Yes. Because they do play a lot of press, because he yeah. is going to see a lot of that stuff. I hope they don't move him around. Do not move LaVisca around. I want you to land him up in the same spot every time and let me see him win against Lenoir and, and have success and win these one on one battles. Yeah, I would I definitely need to see. Uh, this is that good, might be not this is good the winning formula. This but is a good <laughs> secondary to be going up against. Uh, hopefully. He plays in this one. They know he's nursing an injury. I think he will. But I, this is one where it's a good secondary. Get some get some dubs on the field. Mm-hmm. Make some plays on the football field. There you go. Let's go to Saturday. Uh, I know Saturday you're going to be taking a trip up to South Bend. Yes, it will. To go be. watch the Fighting Irish take on the Trojans, possibly take an L. Or are you predicting a dub there? I, I'm, what, we, what do you think? I'm predicting? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. So, but before we dive into I that game, all right, and you know what? Actually, let's dive into that game. We got Michael yeah. Pittman Jr., the wide receiver that we highlighted as a riser. I think he has an opportunity to go against a good Notre Dame defense, a good mm-hmm. Notre Dame secondary. He doesn't have a great situation with the quarterback things. You know, bad. You know, you're under their backup quarterback at USC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. This is going to be a tough one for him to win battles, but for that too, you got Julian Aquara, Khalid Kareem. I think there's a lot of prospect, a lot of prospects in this game to watch. The one, the biggest one for me that I want to see is Troy Pride Jr. for Notre Dame, and that's not just because I'm a Notre Dame homer, but it's because he's kind of been up and down over the course of his career, and this is. These are three three NFL wide receivers that he's going to be faced up against. Whoever he's going up against will be playing in the NFL someday. Uh, only three PBUs this year, but he's only allowed twelve of twenty two targets so far. Great only at 66.8. One of the fastest cornerbacks in the country. I just thought he got lost downfield. I just thought he lost at the catch point too many times. Didn't have good ball skills. Uh, this is one where I think they're going to be throwing it up to these mm-hmm. to these USC wideouts. They're going to be giving them chances down the football field. Can Troy Pride hold his own? Because I don't have a... I, I like the way he sticks with receivers. Just don't Former love. track star, right? Yes. I mean, he has yeah. a ton of athletic ability. He's probably going to run the four threes, but yeah, I just need to see him actually... You know, make plays on the football in this game. So and I think that, that same nice same discussion applies to Alohi Gilman as well. You know, mm-hmm. not giving up big plays against a very. It's not a great passing offense because of the quarterback position, but there is a ton of NFL receiving talent. It is an opportunity to show that you can kind of stick with these guys. And I yeah. think Troy Pride, Alohi Gilman, those are good, good, good conversation there, my friend. Good preview matchups. Are you going to be watching those guys closely, or is yeah, it going to be a couple like beer goggles or what? <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, watching the way they hold themselves, who they're celebrating with after mm, a touchdown yes. is going to be huge to me. Which Do they huge. go to the fans first? Or their teammates, uh, you know the personality traits that you can only get from Give the ball sm- to the rest. seeing what they smell like in person. <laughs> uh, those sort of things, in-game scouting, so huge for our eval. Mm. So the, if you can't the, sense, there's the some sarcasm noise? there. That <laughs> there's some sarcasm there. I think with in-game scouting, I don't know. I think the best thing about in person is being able to talk to the guys and find out if they're addicted to Swedish fish. Okay, yeah, but like in-game you, scouting, actually watching them play how live, they hold themselves on a football field is maybe the, one of the dumbest things. Yeah, I, I think like, you know a lot of the, the on-field stuff. You have advantages not being there, watching yeah. it on all 22, watching a broadcast film with the replays and all that yeah. stuff. I think there's better opportunities. The, the funniest thing to me is when people are like, you got to watch him throw. Like, when people talk about quarterbacks, you got to see how the ball comes out of his hand live. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, that does And not I'm sure all those people that. are probably 60 plus years old and, <laughs> and not, you know, sticking into this traditional way of looking at things. And I, I would just have to disagree. Um, Alabama going against Texas AM. You got Kendrick Rogers versus Trevon Diggs. Diggs. Related to Stephon Diggs, he's, played, he's been really good in the slot for Alabama. He's also played some outside corner for them. I think he's a guy that's not necessarily rising, but definitely a known name that yeah. could potentially be a, to, a day one pick, maybe high he's day two. He's in our two. top 30 now yep. at this point. Uh, he will, uh, in my humble opinion, just murder Kendrick Rogers in this <laughs> matchup. People like, people like Kendrick Rogers coming into the season because he made like four just ridiculous highlight reel catches, but uh, he didn't get off press like he doesn't get off press against like five nine, uh, one sixty five, mm-hmm. like uh, smew cornerbacks. He he can Trayvon Diggs, one of the best press cover corners in college football right now. I, I predict Trayvon Diggs just eats him yep. alive. 
So. All right, let's go to probably the game of the weekend. Um, and it is the game of the week in PFF Greenline, meaning if you are not a subscriber and listening to this podcast, you can go to pff.com, check out NCAA Greenline, and see win proje- or uh, money line projections, spread, over, under. If you are a betting DGen, it is a good mm-hmm. spot to go to kind of check out the evaluations and pro- um, projections for this game. But let's talk about the prospects in this one. Joe Burrow, he's going against a good Florida defense. I think he has an opportunity here on a bigger stage. I think this is a must-win game for LSU if they are going to try and get into that college football playoff. Um, he needs to light him up. Yes, and I love that this is this one's going to be uh, prime time, 8 p.m. Ooh. Joe Burrow against – this is the – this to me is a better matchup to watch him in than the Alabama game. Really, I I, I think so because of the cornerbacks that uh, that they have there at Florida. Fast, both those guys have incredible speed. So there's not going to be a lot of he relies a lot on that go ball. Uh, you know, giving his guys chances. I don't think he's that's necessarily going to be a great option for them. It's not going to be open a ton those pure go balls. So he's going to have to going to have to get a little different. It's going to be a, a little. He's going to have to target a lot of different areas of the field then. So I think him going up against Marco Wilson, C.J. Henderson is the matchup to watch. And I both, I, both because I want to watch Marco Wilson and C.J. Henderson more because Henderson's been hurt this year. Marco Wilson obviously was hurt all of last year and has had some dumb boneheaded mistakes throughout mm-hmm. the first handful of games. This year not looked like the same player we saw you know, that was starting as a true freshman for Florida Gators. So... Fantastic matchup, really all around in this. And, and not only will those, you know, Marco Wilson and and C.J. Henderson be going against potentially a first round quarterback, top ten quarterback in this year's draft, but they're going against some really good receivers too. Justin Jefferson has had a ton of success mm-hmm. with Joe Burrow under center, and Jamar Chase. Did you yeah. read that article? I think it was fake on the Athletic idea candidate. Oh yeah, fake mm-hmm. idea candidate for sure. He's an underclassman. I think he's a true sophomore. Yeah, true sophomore. Did you read the uh, article on the Athletic when he went to Kansas? Les Miles wanted to play him at cornerback. Mm. And he said he had, well, I wanted none of it. I want to play wide receiver, and now he's lining up with Joe Burrow. That dude's fast. Yeah. Jamar Chase, I think going against Paul—not Paul um, uh, Debo, C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson, I think that is going to be such a fun game to watch for the passing game, all the reasons you want to see it. Jonathan Greenard getting after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jabari Zuniga, I think coming back healthy, right? Jabari Zuniga? Yes, I believe so. So, good game to watch. 8 o'clock. You'll be— Ready to rock? On I'll, that be, game? I'll be. I'll be. I'll be at there. You're gonna have game. to be watching have to, that all 22 later. Yeah, that one's a Sunday morning. Flip it on. All right, let's go. Big Ten, Michigan State at Wisco, Wisconsin. Um, we got Kenny Willekes versus Cole Van Lennon. Yeah, Lannan, we haven't talked sorry. much about Cole Van Lennon, but mm-hmm. he's uh, a fourth round tackle on our board. Just missed out on the top 75. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. I, I think he's a good run blocker. Doesn't have. I don't love his balance. He slips off some blocks and falls on his face and falling on your face is not a good trait to have when projecting to Thanks. the NFL. Sub tweet. <laughs> but yeah, Kenny but Kenny Wilkins this is a good matchup for both of them because uh, you know, two NFL prospects. I, and I think both are mid rounders at this point. Mm-hmm. Both are four, third, fourth, fifth type round players. And if one really handles the other, all of a sudden you know you're tipping the scales a little bit. And I think, you know, after talking, you know, with about Zach Bond as a riser, I'm excited to keep watching him against his power five competition in conference play. I, I want to continue to see those high pass risk grades because at that size you start to slip yes. off and have Epinesa production. You know, yeah. now you're really falling off. I think Chase want... Young just murdered this Michigan State line. Bingo. And well Chase Young's a different breed. Yeah, I think that sure. guy might have been in the Predator versus Alien movie. The dude's a freak. Like an yeah. absolute freak. But Joe Bacci as well. Yes, uh, Joe Bocce against Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Bocce is, I mean, he's Michigan State limited, linebacker. Limited we've linebacker. Seen, we've seen we've seen these Michigan State linebackers before. Yes, but I, I do think Jonathan Taylor. The hole's going to be tight. Michigan State's got a run stuffing defensive front. A lot of guys that play the run very well there. So Jonathan Taylor, tight holes. Can he win with tight holes? I feel like is a big thing mm-hmm. too because he's been running through some wide open ones. Van yeah. Land leading the way. So and on I think, a Saturday night, you got to win with tight holes. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, let's go to uh, Penn State against Iowa, and there, there's a couple good matchups here. But I like Alaric, Alaric Jackson versus Yatur Gross Matos. This is a guy that we kind of scoffed at before the draft. You know, we, we didn't see it with him. Scoff is we, aggressive. Yeah, we it's aggressive, yeah. but I mean, uh, compared to like how much this guy, this guy people were putting a Superman cape yeah. on this dude. You he know was what I mean? he was up there. People were talked about him in the same breath as Epinesa and mm-hmm. uh, Chase Young going into the season. I didn't see it. I, I still don't necessarily see it. But he has been a lot more productive this year than he was last year. Sixty-seven point seven. The trajectory is pass rushing grade last year. I thought eighty-four point seven. Already almost as matched as pressure total through uh, you know five games here that he mm-hmm. had last season. So I think he's a lot uh, more adept in terms of his timing with his hands. Uh, I thought he was just kind of like going through the motions with his pass rushing moves last year. Mm-hmm. Like he knew them. He just didn't know like when to execute them. Been better about that this year. But I still am not sure that he's. Uh, 
has a natural feel to for rushing the passer. Uh, it's still not the consistency in terms of like consistently dominant with his physical tools is not there. And with Larry Jackson, he's a guy that came back yeah. from injury this past week and mm-hmm. I think has an opportunity to you know prove himself a little bit against Yuter Gross Matos, a guy who's had production of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go Utah versus Oregon State. Little Pac-12 after dark action. Jalen Johnson versus Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins is the name we brought up. It's the big wide receiver for Oregon State. It has a ton of great production right now from a box score perspective. He also is grading really well. He has a ton of contested catches. What we need to see from Isaiah Hodgins, which I don't know if you're going to see overnight. It's kind of like quarterback mm-hmm. accuracy. It's not like he needs to be more active than football. It's not really going to happen. You know, but with him, you want him to be more sudden. And if he's not going to be as sudden, you know, if he's going to be as sudden as he is now, yeah. it's just hard to project that he will create separation at the next level and win is the same percentage of contested catches that he's winning now. Yeah, I mean, the the nine broken t- nine career broken tackles on 103 yeah, yeah. catches that's is right. just bad. So mm-hmm. that, that's, that's ugly. But this is a good matchup for him because Jalen Johnson is one of the best cornerbacks at the catch point in all of college football. So I, I don't I don't foresee Hodgins being able to separate at an extremely high level. I, I think they'll be matched up uh, a good deal in this game. And when those targets, you know, can, if Isaiah Hodgins can still win those 50-50 balls consistently against one of the best, you know, yeah. uh, cornerbacks at the catch point, then, you know, maybe we'll take him seriously. But I still worry about, you know, because he's a little slightly built at 6'4", 209. Mm-hmm. Still not, you know, he's not Michael Pittman in terms of physicality. So Jalen Johnson, too, a long corner. I mm-hmm. think this is, be, this is a good matchup for Hodgins to kind of prove himself. I think if he goes into this game, doesn't create a, a lick of separation, but wins like all four of his contested catch opportunities, I think that's positive yeah, we for him. Up, yeah. Um, Let's move forward here. That's going to do it for our Saturday What's on Tap. That means we're going to the NFL, baby. Sundays. This is where Renner will be recovering from a late night at Notre Dame and uh, where I'll be ready to rock on these these rookie matchups here. Brian Burns going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Poopy offensive tackles, DeMar Dotson and Donovan Smith. These are guys that have consistently been on the wrong end of a highlight reel throughout the first part of the year. Nick Bosa gave a couple of guys the sauce. I saw Marcus Davenport demolish DeMar Dotson this past week. I think Brian Burns could have similar success. I think he's grading really well this past week. I'm pretty sure he had a little scoop and score action. Mm -hmm. But I think this is an opportunity to show pure pass rush wins. And honestly, if you watch Brian Burns progress so far this year, somehow he's already getting better with every week. I think he's learning, getting a little bit more confidence with his speed rush. I could see DeMar Dotson and um, Donovan Smith have a ton of problems with Brian Burns this weekend. Yeah, I mean, he's just so quick, Brian mm-hmm. Burns, and he wins with – he can he can come, for, come at you from a standstill and get to the side of you in the blink of an eye, and these tackles for the Bucks are just like playing through mud. They, mm-hmm. they, they are stuck. On that's a great – that's a nice little Like you term. saw Bosa just – Bosa's not – Bosa's quickness doesn't even compare to Brian Burns's, and he was just – they weren't even touching him mm-hmm. on the inside move. So, yeah, I, I do foresee this being a nice little showcase game. Plays for through Burns. mud, I feel like, is a solid like, term yeah. for guys that just can't move quickly. You know, not great change of direction, all that stuff. You gotta um, think, you gotta, you're, when you're at 150 scouting reports, you got to think of creative ways to say <laughs> the exact same mud. thing. Um, okay, Marquise Brown, who, after a huge week against Miami Dolphins, has kind of calmed down, I guess is a good way of saying it. But he's mm-hmm. going against a Bengals secondary that is just cheeks across the board not a great not He's a making great look. me look smart for saying that he should just hold out for four years because <laughs> you're in a, you're in the you know the run heaviest offense in the nfl i was saying it tongue-in-cheek obviously but he's just yeah. not going to get a ton of targets in mm-hmm. that you know necessarily that offense but yeah, only 44 yards past couple weeks uh going up like you said Bengals secondary it's not gonna you, you gotta do it against the Bengals secondary they yes. have been a miscommunication uh, factory. How this game could field. go out, though, is the Bengals' run defense has also been really bad, and you could see the Ravens go up and not need to throw the football yeah. a ton. And then, they, I mean, what you want to see is a, a, ideally a five or six target game, and he makes the best of his opportunities. Maybe has a couple big plays, and I think this Bengals secondary is open to those, def- willing yeah. to have those. <laughs> but uh, and would you I like think, a big play? <laughs> I'll take one. Uh, yeah. But Marcus Brown, I think, needs to take a big play from this Bengals secondary. I think it's an opportunity for him to kind of bounce back and, and show off that big play ability that mm-hmm. he does have. Let's go to the mustache, a guy that is being brought up on every podcast around the world. I think Pornhub has a podcast that he gets involved in. Gardner Minshew, dude. Going against the Saints defense, I think it's very underrated. I saw a mm-hmm. tweet, Dennis Allen, an underrated defensive coordinator, which, you know, uh, I'm an Oakland Raiders. Well, it kind of yeah. was an Oakland Raiders fan from Oakland. 
Dennis Allen sucked as the head coach. I was there. Gonna I say, I'm not sure he's underrated defense coordinator. They just have a lot of talent. Yeah, on that, defense. That, that defense is very good. Marshawn <laughs> Lattimore gave a goose egg to Mike Evans. No catches there when he was shadowing him. He played well against Samari Cooper. And then up front, Marcus Davenport looks worlds better this year. I think mm. uh, you, have, you still have Cameron Jordan. You're getting Sheldon Rankins back from injury. He's getting back into play. Into play. And I, I've said this on, on, on several radio hits, like when they're talking about you know, the Saints defense doesn't necessarily have a strength at off-ball linebacker. But if you're going to have a weakness anywhere or not necessarily a strength, I think it is off ball linebacker because you're able to take advantage yeah. of that with good safety play the Ohio new Ohio State with Marshawn Lattimore Eli Apple Von Bell these guys are playing really well and mm-hmm. the pass rush is getting after it that's what you need to be a good defense in today's NFL a great linebacker like Keekley Bobby Wagner helps but I think if you could find your if you want your strength somewhere it's up front to rush passer and on the back end yeah this one is going to be interesting for Minshew because this is a legit pass rush uh, mm-hmm. they will be in his face you have Cameron Jordan going up against uh, Juwan Taylor it. on the right side and Taylor has not graded out exceptionally well in his own right as a rookie here so that's a mismatch for the Saints I I think he'll be under a lot of pressure and while he hasn't thrown a pick under pressure necessarily this year it hasn't been great only a 48.1 passing grade when he has faced pressure uh, has taken some sacks in his own right as well so I do think that that will be to me the matchup to watch can he protect the ball Mm -hmm. under pressure uh, going through this game can he not make you know not make the play that's going to lose him the game which he's been very good at what's wild good. is this game is in Jacksonville and the Jags are favored by one and I feel like yeah. Teddy Bridgewater has looked very well, good well I said we had him in the top 10 I don't foresee him being in the top 10 this is a good team yeah exactly and so go with um, looking at Teddy Bridgewater and not a rookie but talking about how he's played in wake of new, uh, Drew Brees' injury very low average depth to target through the first few games they did not ask him to do anything just give the ball to the studs but this past Open week it up. opened up a little bit and he had a ton of success his highest passing grade single game pass and great of the season I don't know I mean favored by one I'm not the betting guy or whatever but it feels like this game for the Saints I trap don't know. Game yeah it could Saints. be a trap game for the Saints maybe um Let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles. They're taking the Minnesota Vikings on this week, and they've had two rookies play significant snaps on the offensive side of the ball, and both have Not kind of good. underwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, Miles Sanders and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. High expectations going in. I love J.J. Oh, I said Arcega. It's Arcega. Arcega-Whiteside. I refuse to say Arcega-Whiteside, <laughs> by the way. Uh, I Miles Sanders it, but... was like, I mean, this is a guy coming out of Penn State, five-star pedigree. I feel like you were expecting him to like force missed tackles in droves you're still kind of looking for both of these guys to stand out. And I don't know if this is the speed of the NFL or whatever it may be, but I think it, right now it's been a very underwhelming start for both those guys. <sighs> yeah, underwhelming, probably understanding for JJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, 86 snaps, or 86 snaps, 86 routes, excuse me. Uh, six targets, only two catches, 14 yards. Man. He didn't have a first down yet, uh, and he has a drop. So that's not good, but... <laughs> It's still early. Again, it's yeah. still time to turn around here. So he needs to just do something. I mean, mm-hmm. get involved in that offense. They, they're looking for playmakers. Get involved. And then the worrisome thing, though, the more worrisome thing is that Miles Sanders, running back, should hit the ground early and should, you know, they usually show it if you got it. And you usually are either, you know, breaking tackles, doing something. Only six broken tackles on 53 attempts is just, that's not a good rate whatsoever uh, as a ball carrier. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every other rookie running back, actually the only rookie running back who's worse than that is Justice Hill. And Justice Hill has only had 13 attempts. So, Yikes. Uh, yeah, everyone else has been better. Be than better. Breaking tackles. So, Be better. Uh, and, and that's that Eagles offensive line. I mean, go back to the past couple of weeks. They've been giving him holes. Like mm-hmm. he's been, he's been having room to work and just not making guys miss in the open it's field. Big holes That's over there. a concerning thing. Yeah. Uh, so Miles Sanders and JJ Arcega white side. When those are your two second round picks that you thought were going to bolster this offense. Neither guy necessarily has. Yikes. Uh, let's go to Deontay Johnson, a guy that you and I both really liked going into mm-hmm. this one. The guy out of Toledo. He's had an opportunity to start for this team with Dante Moncrief being Dante Moncrief, as everyone kind of expected. Drops, not great routes, kind of but I mean, that's where we're at. Deontay Johnson, though, has earned some lower receiving grades in recent weeks. He's had two fumbles. He also had a bad OPI, I think. But right now, I still like the production. He's only got one drop. I think I thought, you know, he drops were an issue for him coming into this, you know, coming into the NFL. What I want to see with him is more targets downfield. Yeah. But, I mean, you're not going to get that with Devin and, Hodges and Mason, uh, Mason Rudolph. I think yeah, he's in a rough situation to produce right now. His average depth of target is, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but very low. He's getting involved on crossing routes and things like that. He wins down the field. He can win on yes. these vertical route trees. I, I still love the route running ability. The other thing I want to see is just like, some not necessarily 50 50 balls but contested yes he's over two in contested situations only two of his 27 targets have been contested because i do think he is getting open at a fairly high rate that higher rate than you'd expect for a rookie but you still in the nfl it's unrealistic unless you're legitimately you know four three type of guy and just blazing cats down the football field you have to win contested Mm -hmm. situations and so uh it wasn't necessarily his go-to in college 
either. So we'll see how that goes. But I want to see some, you know, give him some, give him some chances to win down the just, football field. I even if he's know not if you're going open. to get him. You know, he's just. I mean, with Devlin yeah. Hodges starting, I, I really do not see them putting. I mean, with Mason Rudolph starting, they put together a game plan where half of his passes were pop passes on like quick jet sweeps and stuff. Yeah. I don't see them getting too much different with Devlin Hodges now yeah. taking over. Um, last, what's on tap? Of the segment, Sunday, Quinn Williams going against a very good Dallas Cowboys interior offensive line. This is a guy that's battled injuries, really liked him coming in. He had a very high pass rush grade at Alabama in his final year. He's only got 44 pass rush snaps and two pressures, a 59.2 pass rush grade. It's a small sample size. He's battled injuries. Uh-huh. The NFL is still very new to him, but, I mean, there, you want to see more flashes. I mean, he's getting thrown to the wolves, too, in terms of Philadelphia last week, Brandon oh, Brooks, yes. and Jason Kelsey. Now, Dallas this week, Zach Martin. Oh man, it's like Travis the opposite Frederick. Garrett Bradbury like, yeah. situation. Dude, he, he is. I mean, it's a tough matchup. It's not only two pressures against the Eagles. I'm not uh, not going to knock him too much. That's two pressure. Like that's two pressure against the guys who you necessarily don't give up any pressure mm-hmm. most games. So uh, Quinn Williams, it just it might he might not produce these these mm-hmm. first two weeks here. He might not produce against the Eagles and the Cowboys. That's fine. That's not a death knell to his you know prospects going forward. Not a lot of guys produce versus the Cowboys. So. Before we dive into this last bit, what are you most looking forward to at South Bend? It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be about the game. Right? I mean, well, give, me something, give me something good here. Uh, my buddy, my brother's roommate of college, throws the best tailgates just south of the stadium. Literally the first the first car south of the south entrance to the stadium. They put out a great spread every time. And so, oh man, uh, gonna golf Saturday morning. No, go, to the, go there afterwards. And when are you driving up? Day. Friday? Driving up Friday. Jeez, that sounds like an absolute treat. It's, uh, I've been looking forward to it I am, for just um, weeks on end. Happy for you. Uh, well, we got something special before we end the podcast. We definitely want to talk about this. We are gonna give five Edge monthly subscriptions away to. People that subscribe, rate, and leave a comment with your favorite podcast segment and email. We're going to give five away. We're going to have a chance to win those five Edge Monthly subscriptions. All you have to do, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, rate it five stars if you'd like, four stars if you're feeling, you know, you don't like Renner's, what he's saying, and then leave a comment with don't, your favorite podcast. four stars. <laughs> leave, leave a comment with your favorite podcast segment and it's email. We'll be giving those out on Monday. Man. So dive into that as soon as you can, um, and we'll, we'll talk about the, you know, the winners of those things on the what's, Tuesday What's pod. your favorite segment? My favorite segment would probably be, pff, I do love the beer belly segment. Mm. I mean, uh, talking about a fat guy that's playing well is pretty great. Yeah. Fake ID, too, because you're talking about some of the underclassmen getting ready for next year's you know, two-for-one drafts. So I'm really pumped about that. I love, about you? I love the blackout segments. The blackout you know, segments? You know, yeah. I love good blackout segments. You do love a good blackout. Just someone stunk and... They need to hear about it. Yeah. Well, they, and they, you can, but blackout segments, there's a little bit of forgiveness there. Yeah. It's like, dude, for, forget this. But you blacked one. out. Yeah. You, you're you blacked out. It's fine. You woke up in a bad situation. You don't have to black out next week. Exactly. Exactly. Some people do, but you shouldn't. Yep. Well, yeah, like I said, rate, leave a comment with your email and subscribe. But this is going to do it for Austin Gale and Mike Renner on the Two for One Draft podcast. Make sure to tune in next week starting Tuesday.